It's good to see you all. Welcome to church. Uh, we have something exciting today. It's called five. Everyone say five. five. By seven. Everyone say seven. seven. What is five by seven? What it means is we're going to have five people talking for seven minutes each. And so uh, we've kind of been talking about this Holy Spirit series. We've been sharing a lot of big ideas, taking you through uh, the scriptures and sharing what it means. But this morning, we're going to have personal stories of people talking about their journey with the Holy Spirit. Pastor Ross asked everyone to be up here. And the question he asked is like, okay, what's your journey or what's a story or a moment with the Holy Spirit? So everyone's going to get up here and share their stories. And what I want you to do is encourage them. Nod. You can wave your hankies. Like, let's say amen. Let's have some church this morning. Are you up for that? <laughs> okay, awesome. And so really give them encouragement. If they say something funny, you can laugh. Like, let's practice our laugh. Here we go. Do a laugh in one, two, three. <laughs> Beautiful. And if they say something really good, like that's amen, you can kind of give them a big applause. Here we go. Let's practice our applause. One, two, what? <laughs> On the count of three. One, two, three. And if something incredible happens, then it's like a laugh into an applause, okay? And so you can kind of take that laugh and parlay it into an applause. So let's practice that in one, two, three. I'm taking you all to Hollywood. You are like a professional sitcom audience. Uh, this is awesome in here. But really, we just want to be encouraging. We want to have fun this morning. If you want to take notes as they're talking, our ushers have uh, message notes. And so you can raise your hand. And just if something inspires you or there's a big idea, write those things down. Message notes are a way for you to remember what's going on here. And so I want you to now welcome our five guests this morning. Can you please welcome them as they come to the stage? Come on up, everyone. You can welcome them. There you go. So this morning as they share, I want you to imagine something. I want you to imagine that it's you up here looking out at the faces of everyone. And so kind of respond in that sort of way. Give them a lot of smiles, a lot of nods, a lot of encouragement. You can do this. And they're going to do an incredible job. So I want to introduce our panel. First of all, we have Andrew Fortner right here. Everyone say hi, Andrew. <laughs> we have Tani DeYoung right here. Everyone say hello, Tani. <laughs> we have uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Pastor Ken Parsley. <laughs> We have the one and only Nehemiah Hamilton. And we have the lovely Miss Gail Norris. And so they are going to be telling their journey and we're gonna set the clocks uh, for accountability's sake and they're gonna have seven minutes each. And so uh, they're going to tell their story and it'll start with Andrew Fortner. So Andrew, come on up. So my journey with the Holy Spirit has been an adventure. Ten years old, gave my heart to Christ, became a believer. However, I had no idea what the Holy Spirit was. And I can remember one day driving around with my parents, and we saw this church that I thought had kind of a funny name. And I asked my parents, what, what is that church like? And they said, oh, that's the church with the really long services. And that's what they said, but what they meant was, that's the church that we don't go to. I'm like, oh, okay, I got that message. 
Fast forward years later, I'm in high school, and I have two very, very close friends that invite me to go to church with them. I love them dearly. They're great people. But guess what church that they go to? It's the church with the long services. So I said yes, but I was very cautious. So I went, and sure enough, the services were very, very long. They were very, very loud. They were playing music that was written in the current century, which was new to me. And it was really energetic, and it was really real and kind of weird, but I kind of liked it. But I was still a little bit skeptical. So I thought, out of courtesy to my two friends that invited me, I would dive into the scriptures, and I would show them from the Bible how they were a little bit off in what they believed. Just a little bit. So I went in there and I started looking for all the extra stuff that they were doing and I couldn't find anything against it. In fact, I found the extra stuff and it was spoken of positively. And I thought, oh my goodness, maybe I'm the one that's wrong. But I was still a little bit hard, but I kept going to the church. And after a few months, my, my hardness, my skepticism was kind of starting to, to come down a little bit. And one Sunday evening, after a really long service, <laughs> I was there, <laughs> and the pastor invited people to come up to receive prayer. And so I went to the front. And uh, similar to how sometimes Pastor Ross will say to us, he'll, sometimes he'll say, put your hands like this as a sign of receiving from the Lord. Same thing. They, they did that. So I went up to the front, and I put my hands like this. And then the most bizarre thing happened to me. I looked down at my hands, and both of my hands had just kind of melted into little balls like this, and I couldn't move them. It was like I was paralyzed. And I looked down, and I kind of started going through this kind of triage of consciousness in my mind. And I was like, okay, I'm not making that happen. Nobody's touching me. They're not making it happen. I'm not being subject to some kind of mind trick right now. This must be God. And it felt wonderful. It felt like somebody had wrapped me up in a warm blanket. I had no fear. I had no anxiety. I knew God, but I didn't know God like this. And so I thought, well, I'm kind of down the rabbit hole. I might as well go all the way. So I closed my eyes and I started praying out loud for the first time. And I could hear my voice, but I didn't understand the language that I was saying. And I realized this is what it talks about in the book of Acts when the believers were endued with power from on high. I was being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I was totally out of control. That moment was so powerful. It changed my life. Immediately, I began to want to read the Bible at every moment I can. I was at church every moment that I possibly could be. I began saying that prejudice started to go away. I began to say yes to anything that God wanted, and I started to see things in my life that needed to change, and I started to change them, and I started to have a lot more love for the people around me. In fact, so much so that it changed my career path. It changed where I was going to go to school. I moved to a different state, and everything has been different for me. And in the 30 years now since that happened, God has made my life the most amazing, crazy, and wonderful adventure that I never could have imagined. I've had the opportunity to get to know, share about, tell about God to maybe hundreds of people. 
that I probably never would have known. So, yes, thank you for that, Hanky. I like that, yeah. <laughs> Come on now. And a long, long church, you know. <sighs> okay, you remember in the Bible, whenever Jesus was betrayed, and all the disciples freaked out and they scattered. You remember that? Okay, so in Luke, it talks about how Peter, um, he, he ran away and he was warming himself by a fire, and a little servant girl came up to him and said, hey, you were one of the guys that was with Jesus. And he's like, I don't even know who he is. You remember that part? Okay, so here's Peter with this little girl. He can't even say the name of Jesus. Not long after that, in the book of Acts, the same guy is standing before thousands of people telling about Jesus so boldly that 3,000 people are added to the number of the believers. It was the same guy. What was the difference? The difference was the Holy Spirit. Now, (laughs) yeah, I get that. Because that's what happened to me. And I am thankful for that long church service. And I'm thankful for people that were willing to say, you know what? If this is God and it is good, then we want it. And I finally got to the point where I said, okay, God, you can do whatever you want to. And I know no matter where you're at, you can do that as well. All right? It's adventure. Holy Spirit. Got it. Thank you, guys. Hey guys, my journey with the Holy Spirit started off a little iffy. I grew up in a family of singers and we used to travel around different churches singing Southern gospel. And there was a song by the Gaithers that we sang called, Send It On Down. Send it on down, Lord let your Holy Ghost come on down. And I remember that song at a young age kind of creeping me out because I thought, why does it have to be a ghost? We don't need any ghosts. And why is everyone so excited about this ghost? And I, I also grew up, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I also grew up falsely believing that I was just this too ordinary Christian who was supposed to just support all those people who had callings and sit on the sideline and yeah, they have callings, but I didn't. Well, I didn't understand the power of operating in the Holy Spirit in my own life. Until about nine years ago, I had a great conversation with a friend. I was driving home alone, praying, and I just set aside my insecurity and fear for a moment. And I prayed, okay, God, use me. Whatever purpose that is, just use me. We're ready. I'm ready. Send us. And let me tell you something. When you pray that prayer, God answers it. And shortly after that, I became pregnant with our second child. Well, at the 20-week ultrasound, our doctor sat us down and gave us some devastating news. He said that the left side of our baby girl's heart never formed or would form. And it's the most fatal and rarest congenital heart defect known as hypoplastic left heart syndrome. The odds of survival are not the greatest, and if she survived, her life would be extremely limited. But something happened in that moment that was supposed to be the scariest time of our lives. As the fear started to rise up, the doctor's voice faded away, and this warmth came over me from the top of my head, worked its way down, and just rested right here. Mm -hmm. Yes, it was peace that I had never experienced up until that point at that uh, capacity. And it was the steady assurance that he was with us, there was purpose in this, and Jesus can redeem this. 
And that same piece was there two weeks later when a specialist told us that our daughter only had a half a percent chance at survival. He suggested we terminate the pregnancy. So with as much boldness as we could muster, we told him no, and we're gonna continue this pregnancy, so get on board. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit began stirring something in me through the rest of the pregnancy until she was born. As we grieved the life we thought she would have, and we set aside our expectations, we gave them up of what we thought it should have been. Peace was with us that September when our baby girl Kaylin was born, a name meaning victorious. Peace was there as they whisked her away to the cardiac ICU at the Children's Hospital. Peace was there three days later as they prepped her for her first of many open heart surgeries. And honestly, despite what was going on inside, on the outside she looked like this pink newborn, just perfect. So it felt like the morning of surgery that we were handing over this perfect lamb to the slaughter. But in that moment, the Holy Spirit gave us peace in the form of a surgical nurse who told us she saw the Spirit in us and said, I serve the same God you do, and I'll be praying over her the entire time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but the peace that we experienced, it wasn't this like passive Zen-like peace. It was something we had to fight for. It was a harsh reality that we lived in those nine weeks after her first surgery. Kaylin hit every obstacle imaginable from kidney failure, extra surgeries to fix lung failure, fevers. Her heart stopped twice and had to be resuscitated. She had pain withdrawals, and drug withdrawals in a baby is really hard to watch. She had blood pressure and feeding issues, and there were many nights that we weren't sure she'd survive. The breathing tube was in so long and while she was awake that it silenced her crying. So the only indication we had of her distress was the heart rate monitor would increase and I would look over and I would just see these silent tears rolling down her face. I couldn't hold her so I would just sing to her and whisper my presence in her ear. Tony had to work two jobs, my husband, to keep us afloat financially, so he would take the late shift, come up at midnight, stay with Kaylin, leave at 5 a.m., go back to work and do it again. He had to have been exhausted. Um, my parents were watching our two-year-old a couple hours away, so they'd come up every few days and we'd see him. So most of the time, I was alone with Kaylin. And we were fighting this battle as we sat in our room exhausted, she and I, and we'd hear the cries of the families in the rooms around us as their babies were losing their battles. But that loneliness, you guys, the loneliness creates this intimacy with Jesus that you never have known before. And my relationship with the Holy Spirit, it shifted. It shifted from this mystery into a partnership. And he brought revelation to the scripture that I had read before, but it had not impacted me like that before. Verses like Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those crushed in spirit. Second Timothy 1, 7, God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and sound mind or self-control. Psalm 91, under his wings you'll find refuge. He will command his angels to guard you in all your ways. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue and protect him. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble, deliver him and honor him. Yes. And those words were life for us as we survived those long days. 
We prayed for wisdom and healing, and we got it. He gave us this divine knowledge of medical terminology that just came easy to us, that we shouldn't have understood. And he downloaded specific instructions for Kaylin that I was able to relay to the doctors and nurses, and that greatly impacted her, her care and recovery. Awesome. Yes. We began seeing miracles. So after nine weeks, we were released to go home the day before Thanksgiving. And as we were leaving, Nurse Jillian, our favorite, told us that Kaylin was the most critical baby in the ICU and that none of them thought she would be the one to survive. God did something extraordinary and allowed our ordinary family to be part of it. Kaylin is now eight years old and doing so well by God's grace. <laughs> yes. He continues to expand our gifts and fruit of the Spirit. He gives us joy and life and peace. He's giving us visions and dreams for the future, even the kids. And it allows us to encourage other people. So as I close, I wonder if there is something the Holy Spirit is stirring in you that he wants to partner with you on, something that you're possibly avoiding, thinking that you're just too ordinary. But we are witness to the fact that he uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things, if you're willing. Thank you. My name is Ken Parsley. <laughs> you're very kind. In the first service, uh, they had the numbers of the clock behind us, and I went 10 minutes, my wife said. <laughs> so second service, it's up here. So I've got to keep going. I also wore my Holy Spirit tie today, just in honor of the occasion. Yeah. So my journey with the Holy Spirit began on September 11th, 1955. I'll let you compute for a moment. Yes, it's almost 65 years. And I've been walking with the Holy Spirit ever since that time. On that day, I was water baptized in the Yakima River. And that evening, we had one of those services, like Andrew was talking about, because I went to that kind of church. <laughs> the, ev the evangelist was 19 years of age. Uh, his name was Ted Davis. He's still a friend. I see him and visit him periodically. He's over 80 years old now. And that night, I went forward to be prayed for to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And for a couple of hours, I laid on my back, praying in tongues and receiving the input of God's presence in my life. And my life has never been the same since that day. And I'm very thankful for the opportunity to know the Holy Spirit in an intimate and personal way. To be able to listen to his voice and hear the instructions that he may want to give me from time to time about what to do. Moving forward about five years, I remember another download uh, at a camp meeting. I was 15, again, on my back in the sawdust, the Holy Spirit touching my life in a very powerful way and confirming my call to the ministry. So as we were thinking about this particular testimony today, 
uh, it was very difficult for me to choose a story because throughout the years there have been so many times that God has spoken to me through the Holy Spirit and given me direction. And the truth is that every time I've made a major decision, I've sought the guidance of the Holy Spirit and always sought to do what he said to do. I had one such occurrence uh, in the late 80s when uh, Sharon and I were living in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia, and I was working there for Oral Roberts University. And uh, we received an invitation to become an associate pastor in the church that we were attending, which was a very historic church. And I was troubled about this decision because my sons, I don't remember exactly which one, but Pastor Ross was one of them, uh, was, had just gone to Oral Roberts University and had just become eligible for about $10,000 a year in scholarships. And if I left the ministry, then I was going to have to forego that money, which ended up happening. But it was a very difficult decision for me to do that. And so on this occasion, we went uh, to a cabin up in the mountains above Yakima, Washington. We'd been visiting some relatives there. And we went to seek the Lord to, about this idea and what are we going to do about making this decision. So as we were sitting there in that cabin on one of those days, Sharon and the children, I think it was Brad and Brent and Lori, were sitting at the table playing a game and I was sitting in the living room reading a book by Kenneth Hagin called Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits. And in that book, he's asked, what do you owe the success of your ministry to? And he said, I read the word, I listen to the Holy Spirit, and then I do whatever he tells me to do. And when, that, when I read that sentence, something leapt up within me and I cried out involuntarily. Some of you know I do that periodically. That's <laughs> so I cried out involuntarily and a spirit of prayer came over me and I got up and went into the bedroom, which was a very thin wall away from the kitchen where the family was, and I took my Bible and I took a notebook and I began to pray for the answer to what we were supposed to do. And I prayed for at least 45 minutes. I laid on the bed and I howled, I cried, I spoke in tongues, I laid on the floor and did the same. And I went through this process for about 45 minutes and finally the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, this is what I've prepared for you to do. Don't miss the hour of your visitation. And I wrote those words down on my pad and I jumped up from that bed and I ran into the kitchen and I made them all put their hands up in the air and rejoice with me because we had an answer from God. <laughs> it was a great day. <laughs> they, they, laughed, they laughed just like you did. <clears throat> it was not sincere praise. But, <laughs> but God gave me an answer on what to do. And if I hadn't have listened to that and, and stayed in Canada and uh, took that job as an associate pastor there, uh, our sweet daughter Lori would have never found Darren and we wouldn't have those three grandchildren of our 23 grandchildren. So I am so thankful that we know how to hear the voice of God.
Now you may be wondering what happened as a result of that decision to those boys that lost the money. <laughs> God made it up in so many wonderful ways. Now, yes, they had some student loans when they finished. And I won't take time to tell you all the stories of things that happened to our family as a result of this decision. But God spoke to us at a critical time. And my encouragement for you today is to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Allow him to guide you and direct you in your life. And if you're a young person listening today or parents of young children, give them opportunities to receive the baptism of the Holy Holy Spirit, open up your family to the guidance and direction of God, and he will bless your life in days to come. Thank you very much. I always get worried when he gets up here because I'm like, I got to follow that. <laughs> um, but yeah, normally you see me, I'm wearing some black Adidas sweatpants and very bright colored shoes. That's because I'm talking to your children. I'm not talking to your children today. I'm talking to you, so deal with it. Um, but I'm very excited, and just before I start, um, you know, I'm talking to at least seven people in here, at least seven. So, um, but I hope, you know, with all of these stories that, you know, are being said today, I hope that you find yourself in one of them. I hope that something is speaking to you today. And um, I know that it'll happen because the Holy Spirit is that good. Um, before we get started, um, you know, I just want to start off with the scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. If you know me, anybody that's very close to me knows that basketball is my life. Um, it has always been my life, um, and it was a very big part of who I was until the summer of my freshman year. I said, Dad, we're going to playoffs. I'm not going to a youth retreat. Sorry, man, but I got basketball to play for. And he was like, you're going to church. Deal with it. I was like, cool. Awesome. <laughs> I guess I could say thank you because um, I guess. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, what happened at that youth retreat in Chattanooga, Tennessee, is I was on a concrete floor with 8,000 other people worshiping and praising God for everything that he had ever given me. And they got to the time where there's this altar call, and I'm thinking, I'm good. I'm all right. I come from a family. My parents pray over me every day. I've caught the spirit. I'm good. But nah, Jesus had a different assignment that day. And um, it got into the point where I was, I was standing there and the, the guy's, you know, Damon Thompson, he's calling us forward. And I'm walking forward and I'm not moving my feet. I look down to make sure um, that I am moving my feet and I am not the one that is doing it. And sure enough, I'm watching people get slain in the spirit, walking past me, like just dropping like flies. And I'm like, I don't think this is what God has for me. But it was. And um, a lot like Tani, just a warmth just came over my body. And I started to speak in a language I had never heard. And it was the most powerful 
moment, everything was gone. Everything didn't matter in that moment. I actually had my older brother DeAndre and my older sister Blake praying for me to receive what I received. And it was so, so great to have my family around me. Fast forward uh, to my junior year, I moved to Austin, Texas. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> he thinks he's funny. <laughs> but immediately, immediately, I was given a family. I was given you guys. And by choices of my own, by choices of, you know, you know choosing basketball over, you know, time at church, um, I didn't have a church family in Colorado Springs. But I had one here. And immediately when I got here, people championed me people loved me for me not for anything that i could do for them but loved me for what who god had called me to be and it was funny because like i was given all this stuff god had literally provided everything that my dad had prayed for everything that he had prayed for and there was this still one piece that was lingering in the back of my mind and it was my mom uh, for those of you who don't know my mom um, had parkinson's for 12 years and I was at work, and my dad called me, and he doesn't normally do that. My dad doesn't call me at work. If he needs something from me, he'll text me, tell me to give him a call. But that day, he called me, and I knew something was wrong. I got on the phone with my dad, and he just kept saying my name over and over. He was like, Nehemiah. Nehemiah. And while I was on the phone with my dad, my mom passed away. And it was like the Holy Spirit left me. I didn't want anything to do with it. I was like, if, you, if you're going to take my one good thing from me, I don't want anything for you. This is, this is bad enough already. Like, you, you, she was sick for 12 years, and now you take her, and she, we, she just got here. And I went into this very dark spiral for the longest time, doing things I shouldn't be doing, being in places I shouldn't have been. And... It took people like Luke Perry and Darren Green and Ross Parsley to just sit me down and look me in my face and say, God loved me and he saw something in me and there was something greater for my life and out of death can come life. Yeah. So um, it's been a couple years now. It'll be two years in May. But out of death came life because I got a new mom. And she loves me so much. And she wants nothing more than to speak into my life just like my mom did. And I am so grateful for you. She wasn't here for a service, so I couldn't do that. But it's fine. Uh, but now... I have a peace that is uncontainable, yeah. and I have a joy that is unexplainable, because in my worst of situations, God shows his face, and it is so great. But for all any of you who are going through something, I don't know what it is. It could be anything. And you might think you're too weak to go through this situation alone, and quite frankly, you are by yourself. Let's be honest. You are. But 
the greatest thing about that is this, that God says to you, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content in weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I don't know where you're at today. And I don't know where God is leading you, and I don't know what, like, not is in your chest. But the Holy Spirit is here, and it is now, and you can receive it today. It's here. And I'm so, I'm so happy that I get to celebrate that with my family. You guys mean the world to me, and I get to live out my purpose and my why two rooms down teaching your kids every single Sunday. And I'm so thankful for you. Thank you, Mama. So my journey began uh, with the Holy Spirit when I wasn't quite two years old, floating above a hospital room, sitting in the lap of a really strong, secure, compassionate being. We were watching the scene below us. A small child was laying in the hospital bed with wires and tubes and a mask over her face. And beside her was this woman, a dark-headed woman, laying her head on the bed and holding the child's hand. I just sat with this strong, compassionate being watching. We watched for some time. And then it was time to say goodbye. Several years later, I asked my mom, why was the little girl in the hospital with all the wires coming out of her? And my mom told me, you've never been in a hospital. What are you talking about? And then she realized, oh, that was you. You were in a coma before you were two years old, and you had wires and stuff and a mask all coming out of you. And she said, that was me with my head on your bed, sleeping and praying and sleeping and praying for you. And that time when I was unresponsive was most likely the time when the Lord was being compassionate to me and healing me. And I believe that from the very depths of my soul. In my memories from the beginning of my journey with the Holy Spirit, he is tending to me or to someone else. When I set out on a journey, I make lists. I make lots of lists. We got to bring this. I make a list to make the list. You know, bring the kitchen sink, everything. But what the Holy Spirit needs from me, I need to bring my heart before the Lord. That's what's required on my journey with the Holy Spirit. Trust in the journey with all your heart because we don't always know where we're going. It can be a crazy journey at times, but when he urges me to do or go or say something, even if I totally screw it up, he makes the sweetest lemonade out of my lemons. How about that? The spirit can be super specific and you might get a little uncomfortable Lean not on your own understanding. I remember one of the first Sundays that one chapel had moved back here to Monterey Oaks from Westlake High School. 
sitting right over there. I heard the spirit say to me, tell Eric with a K, this K is lingering, sign language K, hanging in the air. Tell Eric with a K, I am calling you. Capital I, capital A, capital M, calling you. I was caught off guard. We didn't know many people at one chapel. David and I had kind of hung a little underneath the radar for the first couple of years we were here. And so I asked David, do you know any Eric's with a K? Nope, no Eric's with a K. The next Sunday here at one chapel, David comes up to me after the service and says, hey, Gail, I want you to meet this guy that I met that played bass in the worship band, Eric with a K. My heart about leapt right out of my throat. Then self-doubt thoughts came. God, why are you wanting me to do this? These people don't know me like this here. No one will trust me. And I really don't want to be the designated crazy lady. I'm happy she is, though. <laughs> Thanks, Nehemiah. <laughs> So garnering a little speck of courage, I shared with him what I had heard the Lord say to me, tell Eric with a K, I am calling you. Eric's tears were not contained. They slowly glistened down the side of his cheek. He and his wife, Elvira, were asking God for one more sign. Were they supposed to pack up their family and move halfway across the world to China to be in ministry with a foster home there? Eric has told me since that day, because someone they didn't know had given them a word of affirmation, they felt like it was accurate and unbiased. The Holy Spirit, oh, Eric and Elvira have now moved from China to Vietnam with their additionally adopted daughter from China. It's really great. It's really great. But the Spirit, he might interrupt that spiritual moment. The Spirit can nudge you in all your ways to submit to him. He cannot be contained in whatever imagination we think we should put him in. The spirit moves where he will. Acts 2 says, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. David and I got to experience a little piece of this in our house. We had invited a young missionary woman to come over for dinner. We wanted to pray over her while she was in town. So we had dinner. We shared stories. We moved to the sofa. We're praying over. In the middle of the prayer, I hear, ask about her tooth. I'm like, tooth? What does her tooth have to do with while we're praying about her? So I just, I kept, we just kept praying. And the Lord kept saying, ask about her tooth. So eventually, I wound up not being submissive to the Lord in that moment. I wound up making a deal with the Holy Spirit. And I said, Lord, if you'll just let us finish praying, then I'll ask her. Well, the prayer ended pretty abruptly. Go figure. And I said, Haley, right after the prayer, I said, Haley, I'm supposed to ask you something. I'm supposed to ask you about your teeth. She almost got mad. She was like, who told you about my tooth? I said, Nobody. The Holy Spirit told me about your tooth. She had only told her sister. 
that she had a rotten tooth and it needed some attention while she was in town. Well, the really cool thing about this is there was joy in the moment because Haley was reassured that the Lord had not forgotten her on the mission field. He had not forgotten her on her journey to serve and that he truly cares for and tended to each part of her being. As she got the dental care and the financial help she needed, God made a way. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. The Spirit, the Spirit might interrupt my plans, your plans. His work is ministering in all the moments, in all the ways, in all the circumstances. In this sometimes wild journey with the Holy Spirit, one thing that I've learned is that when the Holy Spirit speaks, whether it's for me, for someone else, or a larger body, his breath is not wasted. He is not going to hint at things. He is going to be specific. He doesn't talk to hear himself talk. He communicates to us, to you, to me, and is intended for something. He is tending to us. He is ministering to others through us. He calls out action for us, but in every way, the Spirit has purpose and a reason to be heard. Enjoy your journey with the Holy Spirit. Pay attention to the little nuances that he reveals to you. He doesn't miss a thing. Thank you. Didn't they do such a great job? Can we give all of our speakers one more big hand? Awesome, awesome. Yeah, those were powerful, powerful stories. And I think um, to understand what happened today, uh, one of my favorite Christian songs of all time is Amazing Grace. And at the end of the chorus, there's the simple words, I was blind, but now I see. And we get, that, we get that part of the chorus from the Gospel of John, chapter 9. There's this story of a blind man who was healed. And after he was healed, all the religious leaders came to him, and they were trying to figure out what happened. And they said, Jesus was a sinner. This man was a sinner. And they kind of cornered him. They're like, what happened? By how, whose authority did this happen? And they looked at the blind man, and they said, is he a sinner? Is this man a sinner? And the blind man's like, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But here's what I do know. I was blind and now I see. I know what he did in my life. I know the power. And that's what these stories are today. It's not unpacking all the doctrine or anything else, but it's like, listen, in that hospital room, on that phone call, in those moments, God was with me. And so that's what we're, that's what today's all about, is just kind of really practically hearing these stories. And what I want to challenge you to do is two things. One, if someone, one of these guys, when they were speaking, one of these ladies, when they were speaking, if something really stirred in you, kind of share with them. Say, when you were telling that story, that was really incredible. And if there was a moment or a story that jumped out in you, kind of be bold enough to go and share those moments with those speakers. I think it would mean a lot to them. And the second thing is this. I love what Andrew said when he said, you know, he kind of told his story of a little bit of distance, of a little bit of like, I'm not sure what's going on there, but God if this stuff is from you, then I want it. And I think that's the prayer that I'd invite you to pray this morning. 
The way the Holy Spirit works, the way Jesus works, is it's a permission-based gospel. And so that means there may be encounters that happen there. There may be Damascus Road moments where you see God. There may be incredible encounters. But what the foundation is, is how we respond to it. And the most simple response that we can have for God is like, okay, if these things are from you, I want it. If these moments are from you, then I want it. You walking in my life, you, that presence that was talked about through such difficult experiences, I want that in my life, Lord. And so what I'm going to invite us to do now is take communion together. And as we take communion, I just really encourage you to pray and consider each one of these stories. Pray and consider what God has for you and your life. We invite everyone to take communion. And so if you profess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you're invited to take communion today. I'll pray over the elements. And then after I say amen, everyone's invited to come through the line. We ask that everyone kind of walks through, goes to your right, and then walks all the way through so no one has to step past you. So if you would, pray with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the incredible stories that were shared today. Stories of your love and your light and your hope working in each one of those lives that were up here today. And I pray that as we take communion this morning, we remember who you are, that you're not some distant God, but you are here with us in this place right now, and you are here with us as we leave. We pray for your spirit to be upon us, Lord, to speak to us, to work in us. We take these elements as a way to remember who you are and what you've done for us. We love you, Jesus. We praise you. In your name, amen. Let's take communion together.